0: So, you can enjoy the tiny bits that matter most.
1: It's Not Your Fault is a podcast for parents, caregivers, and young people navigating the world and its challenges. Here's your host, Brandon Jones.
2: Greetings, 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 and welcome back to another installment of It Is Not Your Fault 18 Mental Health Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Jones, psychotherapist, executive director of a mental health institute, consultant, all those good things. But today I am your host for the podcast. <clears throat> On today's episode, we're going to dive into another report. Yes, another report. And the reason that i like to do reports is in this mental health world the social service world even in the chemical dependency world there's always research happening there's always stuff going on there's always information that uh, gets passed through the field and the professionals hold on to it and a lot of times that information does not trickle on down to the common folk to the everyday person uh, and sometimes you get headlines and things but you don't really get the deep dive into the report so i like to take my time here at the podcast to make sure that you're getting the same information that the professionals are getting and utilizing and that 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 they're using to inform them on how to interact with the children in your life and even yourselves a lot of the times so on this week's episode the u.s surgeon general the u.s surgeon general has released another report The first report that the the U.S. Surgeon General released um, that set off all types of alarms and bells was back in October of 2021, where the Surgeon General, along with other um, governing bodies in the mental health world, determined that children and adolescent mental health was at a state of emergency. Now, we were in the midst of the pandemic. We were slowly edging out of a pandemic. And what they noticed was something that many of you probably felt, seen, and heard is that young people were in a crisis. The adjustment from the pandemic was so vast that it was something that we could not ignore, and we had to do something about it. So that was the big thing that ended up happening a couple of, um, about a year and a half ago, and now they have doubled back, and the double back has now focused in on um, the, the use of social media and how social media is causing harm to young people and their mental health so the headline for this one is the u.s surgeon general fears that social media is harming the well-being of our children and that is in quotes the well-being of our children. And many of you feel the same way. If you were like me, you grew up in a time where we didn't have social media. We had to get on our bikes and go and meet people and play all day and don't come into the street lights come on uh, and engage all of the time. And that was our norm. That was our everyday life. Is you know, we were outside, you know, playing with the neighborhood kids, or maybe for the summer we went to a family member's house and play with the kids in that area in that space. That this was our experience. You know, and now it's different. You know, there's social media, there's multiple devices, everything's connected to Wi-Fi. It's hard to escape this social world. Um, you know, I know one thing that's really got parents up in a roar and terrified is this metaverse thing. It's like, what, what is this? Are we talking about my kids are it a environment that is completely virtual in real life? You know, even the Oculus, the thing that uh, people are putting over their heads and they have their eyes covered and then it's like, ultra virtual reality um that's scary to people and it is it is the future it is actually the now i would say the future is here and things are happening and it's not just star trek and you know weird stuff that we thought we've seen in star wars anymore and you know we are in this space and in this place today and we have to understand that but we also need to not fear it a hundred percent understand how to help our kids navigate it to the best of their ability and then how do we navigate it to the best of our ability and that's what we'll be discussing on today's podcast uh, i'm gonna give some tips as usual and i'm gonna tell two stories because it really highlights the difference in what we see and it highlights what's happening and what's going on in the lives of kids so the first story i'm gonna tell you it's something interesting happened. It's it's going to have to do with, with me living in two different environments. Uh, so I lived in a suburb of, many, of uh, St. Paul here in the Twin Cities of Minnesota um, since 2015. And I remember when we moved in, there weren't a lot of kids, but over time, kids have come in and um, kids have... kind of grown up and developed in this area. And I I remember at the beginning of the school years, it was two school years ago, um, my kids were both riding a bus together. So both of my kids were finally old enough where they both had to ride the bus uh, for the longest time. One kid would have to get dropped off. One kid wanted to ride the bus because the other kid was too young to ride the bus. Anyway, long story short, uh, they both were riding a bus. They were so excited. I remember dropping them off at the bus stop. And I remember... um, I dropped them off at their bus stop, and then uh, I had to get gas, I had to get gas, so I dropped them off, they got on their bus, they left, I went to the uh, local gas station, filled up my tank, and then came back home, and when I was coming back home, the older kids were at their bus, and there were about 30 teenagers, I don't know if they were in middle school or high school, there were some big kids though, so um, they were at their bus stop, and there were like 30 kids. I'm like, holy cow, where'd all these teenagers come from? <laughs> I'd never seen most of i have probably seen maybe about four of those kids uh, since I lived in that area. And they were all on the at the bus stop. And I remember just thinking, like, where the heck did all these kids come from? I've never seen these kids in the neighborhood. And I remember when I got home, I was like, do you know about this bus stop? Because I uh, talked to my wife. And she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's the uh for the local, you know, high school, middle school bus stop or whatever. And I was like, where would all these kids come from? There's like about 30, 35 kids there. And she said, well, think about it. Most of the time, they're probably in the house on some game, on social media, on their phones. They're not outside. Or if they play in any sports or any activities, they're gone. They're not at home. They're out doing those things. And then they come home later when those things are over. And I was like, wow, it just hit me right that moment. Like, yeah, that is the experience that many teenagers have. They're out and about. Maybe they have jobs. Maybe they're working. Maybe they're um, you know, they in some sport or some activity. Or they're at home on a video game or on their phone or they're doing their thing on a screen. And boom, they're not really outside. I always see the little kids when I take my kids to the park and stuff. Uh, that is so different than how we grew up. You know, kids were just kids. We were everywhere. We could play. We could free roam. We could go places. I remember when I was a teenager, man, I was at the mall on my, I was on the bus You know, I was downtown in the Twin Cities. You know, I was buying things. I was able to buy stuff like just go into a store. No, didn't have to worry about nothing. Just buy whatever I wanted. Then, you know, go on, live my life. Hop on a bike. Hop on a skateboard. Do whatever. and and There were one point in time in my life I was a little younger. I used to just rollerblade all over the place. (laughs) Literally, I'd be in stores with rollerblades on. Um, That was when I was really young, like you know, nine, ten years old. So. You know, th- this is a different world that we're in, and we can't be afraid of this world uh, that's going on. But it brings me to a newer story. So recently, this actually happened just a few days ago. Um, I, I had I've moved in the last uh, two months, I've moved to a new home. Uh, and recently I had a conversation with my seven-year-old daughter. She's the middle child. And she wakes up early. She was an early bird. Um, she t- Me and her are typically up early in the morning, having our little early morning chats, like an old couple. And uh, she um, she came and crawled in bed because she beat me out of bed to this time. And we we're just talking. I was like, how do you like the new house? How are, how are things? She's like, I don't like the new house. I love it. It's amazing. And I was like, oh, okay. That's cool. That's cool. I was like, what do you like about it? And she paused for a second. And her answer was, it's quiet. <laughs> and I was just like, what does that mean? It's just like, it's quiet. She's like, I don't have to worry about anything here, but bugs in my room. If there's a bug or something, then I have to worry. And I was like, wow, that was a pretty interesting answer. And I had to process, what is she really saying? What is this seven-year-old telling me about how she's perceiving this new environment that we live in? And what she's saying is her her level of fear is reduced. Her level of fear is not something that's you know a huge concern for her. Like their biggest fear is like there's a spider in her room or a centipede or something. Like there's not her biggest fear isn't that you know somebody may harm her, or attack her in her environment. And it made me think like man, the, this seven year old girl already has this concept about how important her environment is to how she feels. How many people are in environments that one don't give them that freedom to feel comfortable and safe enough. And two, what does that do to their mental and emotional health? And they're not even aware of it because it's like a fish in water. They're so used to it. So I bring that up to talk about how important our environments are because I think the social media piece is one, an escape for some people. And two, it's part where we are in society and people are just adjusting into that space to the much to the best of our ability. But without that human connection, that human factor, we can get lost either way. And I think it's important for us to understand that when young people are developing, their brains are growing, they're going through their stages of development, social media is a space that they will be in because that's where we are in society. But it's also a space that if we do not as adults help craft Mode and make sure that they're thinking correctly in these spaces that they will get lost and that their mental health will be in jeopardy because these spaces are not built for for uh sustainability or self-care or taking care of people they're built for monetizing monetization and making sure that we're able to you know i shouldn't say we but really these spaces are there to facilitate business. Let's just say it that way. Like they don't care who buys, who who does anything, but all this stuff is driven off of algorithms that are collecting information that improves businesses. And I hate to be just so flippant about that, but that's part of the truth. And if they can hook your kid at eight or nine years old and make that person become a customer for life, why not do that? So not to make it all scary, but you know, it is an evil world out here. So what can we do about it? Because I've spent a lot of time telling stories about uh, social media. And I re- and I will, you know, encourage you all to just Google U.S. Surgeon General um, social media and children, and you'll find uh, tons of articles. People are writing about this right now and sharing more information on it. And It's important for us to talk about. But I want to share six quick tips, actually eight quick tips, eight quick tips on what parents can do to make sure that they are prepping or preparing or intervening with their children to make sure that they're safe when they are engaging in social media. The number one thing you can do is foster open communication. You know, it may feel like you're, you know, prodding and getting all up in your kid's business, but sometimes you need to do that, okay? Sometimes you just need to know what's going on. You know, my oldest, she's 10, she's begging, begging, begging for a cell phone. I am not ready to get her cell phone. Part of it's fear. Part of it is she has an iPad already, and I see how sucked in she can get into that. I can only imagine what a cell phone can do. But she really doesn't need to call anybody at the moment. If she needs to go somewhere or do something, we have her in spaces, and there's communication channels already there. So she doesn't really need the phone. All the all the bells and whistles that she has on the iPad that she gets to use are going to be on the phone as well. So there's no real need for a cell phone just yet. But the social demand, the social requirement, the cool factor is starting to kick in. She has a couple of friends with their own cell phones, and she wants to have one too. So that pressure is there, but we're not quite there yet. I told her when she turns 14, but think about it. So yeah, at least we had to be in the ninth grade, but that may change. You know, I might get a year or two down the road and boom. You know she's I already have a phone, and you know, she's only 12 years old or whatever. So, but she's 10 now, and you know, we foster open communication in our home. And I try to, you know, try to monitor those things to the best of my ability. So that's the first thing. Number two thing that you can do is educate yourself. There are so many different social media channels that kids use that adults have no idea about. It's not just TikTok and Snapchat that the kids are using. There's other things as well. There's other apps that our kids are using. So educate yourself and then educate yourself about the The things that you have approved for them to use. Um, One example I like to use is that my kids do not have TikTok. None of my kids have a TikTok account or TikTok app downloaded on any device that they can have access to. But guess what? They under they know every TikTok dance, every TikTok song that's popular. They know TikTok personalities and influencers because those videos from TikTok get put on other platforms, and I know that, so I have to monitor what they're looking at. So even if you don't think your kids have access. To a particular application doesn't mean that they don't, because they definitely do. Um, the next thing is uh, set limits and boundaries. You know, my kids are not allowed to chat with anybody, even if they're on a game that has a chat feature, they cannot chat with anyone. And if we catch them chatting, then their uh one, the chats get deleted, and two, their device can get taken away. So you probably hear my little one yelling, dad, 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 she hears me recording a podcast right now. Number four, encourage a balanced lifestyle. Don't just let your kids stay stuck on the screens. Get them out of the house. Force them out of the house. Uh, Use the device as a parameter for them to get out of the house. Like you can get your iPad back if you go outside for two hours. You gotta force them to have a balanced lifestyle and not just be stuck on the screen. Uh, Number five, teach critical thinking skills. This is very important for adolescents. Adolescents can they have that that enough freedom and independence to make decisions. So they have to be able to critically think and use a lot of rationale to make sure they're making the best choice for themselves where there's no harm being done. Uh, number six, encourage positive online connection. Um, a lot of kids who struggle with mental health things online are in spaces and places they probably shouldn't be, whether those places are places where there's a lot of uh, threatening or teasing happening, or maybe they're just uh engaging in content that's not the healthiest for them. So you want to make sure that they're you know getting out of those spaces as much as possible. Number seven, you got to be a positive role model. You can't tell your kids to do one thing and you're they there scrolling and you got what we call scrolliosis where you can't stop. And you have a condition where you're on the phone just as much as anybody else. So you have to you know model and practice what you preach at the end of the day. And then number eight, and I always say this, and I always share this on a podcast because this is a teen mental health podcast, seek professional help when necessary. There are some groups out there that do help parents and have resources around engaging children with mental health concerns. And one group that I want to share with you all today is um, Screen Less, Talk More. Screen Less, Talk More. Uh, They are a group that talks about this and they and they put out healthy activities and engagement for young people online um so definitely check them out uh and definitely check us out so that's going to wrap up the podcast today I hopefully we're able to share some information with you and again check out that report from the U.S. Surgeon General that report is going to highlight some key information in there about the impacts on you know depression with teens anxiety all these different things so just know that this is happening. It's not going to change, but I don't want parents to be so fearful that they don't allow their children to be connected at all. I don't think that's the smartest move. We'll talk about this yet again at another time on the podcast, but until then, make sure you check us out in a few different places. First, you can check me out on my website, www.jegna.org. That's or you can check us out at laugh.com. That's laugh.com. And always check us out on Facebook and the Facebook group for It Is Not Your Fault podcast. And until next time, friends, take care of yourself. It might not be your fault, but it may be your opportunity to help a young person who's in your life. Until next time, take care.
1: Peace. To check out previous episodes of It's Not Your Fault, or to learn more about Brandon Jones, log on to ShalettaMakesmeLaugh.com. Hi, I'm Shiletta Burnage. I'm a media personality, podcaster, and a business owner. But my most important role is mom. Three of my beautiful kids have been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. When I didn't know who to trust or where to turn, I found Adgrunt. ACRA provides home care services to families all over Minnesota. The care is not one size fits all. They know each one of my kids is unique. They listen to what resources we needed and what's best for our family. I've seen my kids grow and thrive with ACRA's in-home care. While autism is the most common diagnosis among ACRA clients, ACRA offers personalized in-home care services for people with disabilities, chronic illnesses, behavioral diagnosis, and mental illness. They work with children, adolescents, and older folks too. Find out more about ACRA at their website, acrahomecare.org. ACRA helps me provide my kids with a better quality of life. They can do it for your family too.
3: When I walked across that stage at my high school graduation, I was excited, but confused about my next step. Then I walked through the doors at Doherty Family College. Doherty Family College is part of the University of St. Thomas. It's a two-year college that lets you earn an associate's degree and puts you on a path to your bachelor's degree. Classes are small, so I have a personal relationship with professors committed to my success. Like the name says, they treat us like family. They call us scholars because they believe we could do anything we put our minds to. They set us up for excellence with free tutoring and that's not the only thing that's free laptops, books, even breakfast and lunch, and bus fare. That's part of the package here at Doherty Family College. It's even free to apply. So do like I did. Go to dfc.stthomas.edu and set up a tour. We'd be excited to welcome you to our family here at Doherty Family College.
0: You know Shaletta makes you laugh. But did you know Shaletta Brundage can also make you think and boost your business?
1: we're worthy of joy and self-care. Because when we
2: see mental health, we see a community that cares. www.cmentalhealth.org.
0: You manage expenses. You manage risk. You manage market fluctuations. You manage productivity, inventory, and delivery. And some days, you just manage. Work with a banker who understands that helping your business through challenging times takes a thoughtful plan, Creative thinking, and a partner you can count on. Work with Bremer Bank because understanding is everything. Put us to work for you today at Bremer.com.
1: At General Mills, our table is your table, and we believe racial equity, diversity, and inclusion are key ingredients for our success. Learn more about our work to inspire change at generalmills.com forward slash racial equity.